Welcome to episode 12 of the Rabbit Rundown. My name is Jacob Von Bergen. As always, I'm joined here uh, by Cody Reed. Cody, how's it going? Pretty good. You know, we had a, another three and one weekend, uh, kind of getting used to those. Four and one, I guess, if you throw in the, the football mm-hmm. team in their first action back. But yeah, another three and one weekend. Um, you know, overall, pretty good um, and a lot to talk about uh, in and around the Summit League and the Jackrabbits as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, on this week's episode, we're going to be reviewing the uh, women and men's matchup against NDSU from this past weekend. We'll also be previewing the series against UMKC, what's on the line for both teams and how, uh, how they're moving forward. We're also joined this week uh, by three guests. We have Alex Arians joining us and then a double interview with Lindsay Thunick and Tylee Irwin as well. Um, you know, Cody, we'll uh, start with the women's, seat, or women's side of things. Uh, they had the 2-0 weekend against North Dakota State, uh, the third-place team in the conference. Uh, nice little, little road sweep there, winning game one 86-78 and game two 69-60. Uh, game one, leading score for the Jacks and of all scores was Tylee Irwin with 25, and she kind of, you know, same story the second night at 31 in game two. Uh, probably, you know, getting Summit League Player of the Week. Obviously, you know, we record here on Sundays. Um, so the awards usually come out Monday or Tuesday, but if I'm guessing, uh, when you score a thousand, you're, you know, get to a thousand points career-wise and you score, uh, 50 points in a, uh, series, you're probably going to get the award, but, uh, what were some of your major takeaways from the weekend? Yeah, I think, you know, there's kind of two main storylines when you look at the women's series. I think, you know, the first is the unfortunate news that, you know, you lose Tori Nelson and Maya Sellen to knee injuries in night one. Uh, we don't know the extent of those injuries uh, mm-hmm. at this point, but then you also have the positive of, you know, the team rallied around Tylee who, you know, had a career weekend and were able to still get two victories. And it, it you know, it gives you confidence moving forward that, you know, they can continue their, their upward trajectory, keep the winning streak going, you know, even if, um, you know, Tori and Maya maybe aren't, aren't uh, there next week against UMKC. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, maybe a little bit of positive po- positivity with that is, um, you know, Tori did get back in the game for a little bit. Um, and then maybe once they saw it, they probably had it a little bit in hand. They did, you know, why risk it? Um, and then going into the second game, you know, they do their vid- uh, their Instagram video of uh, Maya and Tori both running out to the court with the team. Um, they obviously, they were, you know, they weren't running, but they were moving and no braces by the looks of it. You don't want to speculate on anything, but you know, maybe they got lucky and avoided any major injuries with it. You know, fingers crossed there. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, two wins, uh, mostly without, you know, the player of the year in Maya Selen, um, you know, clinched a share of the – at the very least a share of the Summit League tournament. Um, they'll be the one seed for sure now because even if they lose out this weekend to UMKC, you know, the tiebreaker over USD. So that's big. Um yeah, you know, going forward, do you think without maybe if Maya and uh, Tori aren't able to, you know, recover the same way, how does this team move forward? Uh, what's kind of your thoughts with, uh, you know, their next steps? You know, if I if I had to guess, I would say neither of those two, even if it's not a serious thing, I don't think either of them are probably going to play against UMKC. You know, it's kind of with the number one seed and, and the share of the title already clinched, it's kind of like, you know, what, what's the, the risk, you know, why, why would you risk that? Um, so I think the earliest we see him back is Summit League tournament, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and hopefully that's the case, you know, if not, I think 
it's kind of, you know, a little bit of the same story we saw this weekend. I think you play through Tory and Peyton, or sorry, uh, Tylee and Peyton. Um, you know, I don't know if Tylee can quite sustain, you know, a 27 point per game average, you know, but if, if you get, you know, that, that production that she's had out of her, you know, Peyton steps up a little bit and all the, you know, freshmen that you can't even necessarily classify as freshmen at this point. Cause it's, you know, way late in their, their first year, they've got 20 games under their belt, but mm-hmm. um, you have some of them step up. I think the, um, method of, of how you, you know, go about and get wins is right there. We've seen it. Um, it's just, you know, maybe a little bit harder um, to, to win that Summit League tournament um, than previously with, you know, the loss of uh, Tori and Maya. Yeah, and, you know, I do think it shows maybe there is that gap still between, you know, one and two and uh, the rest of the conference. There was a lot of thought coming into this year that, you know, NDSU or throughout the season that NDSU caught you know SDSU and USD a little bit like they're a lot closer than people thought but when you know you lose um the player of the year and you know another key role player and you still don't get one win out of that series I think it does show there is a gap between um you know SDSU and USD and uh where NDSU is right now as a program granted NDSU you know they're really improved year this year and they're taking the right steps to get back into that mix of kind of fighting to hopefully make it a three-team bid uh, three bid league at one point, but uh, or at some point, but you know, I do think it still shows there is a gap between, um, you know, one and two right now and the rest of the conference. Yeah, I think uh, I'll echo that sentiment. And you know, it's not like NDSU played bad this weekend either. You know, they mm-hmm. I thought it was one of the most physical matchups SDSU has played all year. Um, and you know, there was a lot of fouls, uh, just a lot of really physical play uh, down low and uh, and on the glass. Um, and I thought SDSU handled it, you know, well. Um, I think they still, you know, their defense is going to be even more important, you know, if they're missing a couple of those players and they continue to play that well. Um, and, yeah, I think it, it shows that SDSU is still the cream of the crop in the conference. You know, um, it was funny. I think I saw a tweet. Someone had responded that, you know, AJ could just find any 10 players on campus and they'd, they'd probably still have a winning team and, you know, that's a little bit true and goes to show, you know, how important his coaching is to this team because, uh, you know, it seems like he can build a team with uh, whatever pieces he has. No, Yeah, I, I definitely agree there. Um, yeah, you know, with without the lack of players, you know, a couple of players being out now, um, and I kind of agree with you. I doubt we see Maya and Tori. Um, maybe Tori gets in if, you know, if her knee thing was really just a scare and you wanted to give her the rest of the weekend off, maybe you see her, but I doubt we see Maya, you know, you don't, you don't know what to think. Obviously, you know, when she went down, she was pounding on the floor pretty hard. Um, then the camera caught her mouthing. I'm fine on the bench as well. Um, you don't know if that's her just put up a strong face for the teammates. You really don't want to know. And you really don't want to speculate either. So I'm not going to try to speculate any further into what's going on there, but, um, but yeah, it'll be a good, you know, warm up test without touching those two players going into the summit league tournament. And, um, you said, like we said, kind of really, you know, you win one of these games this weekend against UMKC, you're going to, um, you're going to be the one seed and you're going to have an outright, uh, championships. You don't have to re- even worry about, um, splitting it with, with USD. Um, but before, you know, we get too much into that UMKC matchup, uh, let's, you know, let's go into this, uh, conversation we had with Tylee and Lindsay. Uh, so here we go with, uh, Tylee Irwin and Lindsay Thunick. 
Welcome back to the Rabbit Rundown. As we said earlier, we're joined here by Tylee Irwin and Lindsay Thunick. Guys, how's it going? Good. Good. That's good. All right. So obviously, this past weekend against NDSU, there was a big milestone that was hit. Lindsay, you had your 60th career three-pointer as a Jackrabbit. Did you know it was a big moment? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in all seriousness, obviously, Tylee, you had a you know, amazing weekend, back-to-back -back, uh, career highs. You hit your 1,000th career point. Uh, is that something you were even aware of heading into the weekend, or, you know, what sparked the big weekend? No, I had no idea. Um, I mean, I kind of knew I was somewhere around there, but I wasn't really thinking about it. I figured, well, I can always, you know, get it next year, I guess. But, yeah, I had no idea. Oh, yeah, um, and, you know, we uh, – obviously, you're coming from North Dakota. It was probably a big weekend doing that. Um, we always like to kind of ask our guests, like, you know, what brought them to SDSU and, you know, Tyler, you know, crossing the, uh, the, the border there uh, against a, with a rival team kind of in your backyard. What brought you to, you know, SDSU and Lindsay, what was kind of your process like coming to SDSU? Um, I wasn't really familiar with SDSU at all, actually. I haven't had any family come here or anything, but as soon as I visited campus and, you know, saw all their success in academics and obviously on the basketball court. I just thought it was the right place for me. Yeah, and I'm the same with Tylee. I haven't, like, none of my family came here or anything. And obviously, I'm from Minnesota. So I grew up like a Gopher fan and whatnot. But um, I like the basketball program here is so good. And I think everybody's goal when they come play college basketball is to get to the tournament and to win games and to be on a successful team. And that's what we have here. And like good academics, great school, great fan base. They kind of just all fit with what I was looking for. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, speaking to that, you know, about what, you know, this program has done. Uh, this is kind of one of the first years you guys have been ranked throughout kind of the entirety of the year is that something you guys you know recognize as a good thing for the program or not even really think about it or you know either one can answer that one um I feel like we have talked about I mean um like the first time we were ranked this season we acknowledged it and then you know we kind of had a tough road trip and that was just like out the window so after that I don't think anybody really talked about it much it was kind of like it happened and like we're happy and we're proud of how we've done this season but at the same time we've seen it um be taken away from us so quickly so it's not anything that we really like I don't know put a lot of um weight on oh yeah for sure um and you know Lindsay we're um you know throughout your time here at SDSU your roles kind of changed from when you first got on campus to where you are now and you know even this season um Early on, you were kind of the only person that was shooting well to start the year, and now the whole team's kind of uh, gained some confidence. Is it something you were given lessons, or uh, what? how have you seen, uh, you know, the rest of the team kind of evolve throughout the year, and how have you seen yourself evolve throughout the, you know, your time at SDSU? Yeah, well, obviously, um, Stapes and Maddie are shooting really well right now, and I feel like that was just kind of them getting in their role and being comfortable. Obviously, Maddie's a freshman, so it was just a matter of time until she started, you know, doing what she's doing now. She's a great shooter. And Stapes, obviously, has kind of had also a role that's been evolving over time. I think she's more comfortable in her role now as well. So, yeah, I don't know. It's really awesome to see everybody doing so well, shooting the ball with a lot of confidence. It's been good. Perfect. 
Yeah, and Tylee, um, you know, being one of the more veteran players on the team with Lindsay, um, you've had a really long win streak this year. What do you attribute to like the consistency, um, you know, with the team that that you can have such a long win streak? Um, I think this summer we, I mean, with COVID, we were lucky enough to be able to get into our facilities a little bit and. It was really cool to see like all of us going in and each individually working on our game. And I feel like that's really carried into like practices and everything. And like Lindsay said, people are gaining confidence and things like that. And I think it kind of started this summer and, you know, we've had way more practices this year too, um, rather than, you know, years past where we're probably, you know, over however many practices we would have in a normal year. So I feel like that kind of into it a little bit too. Yeah, and then going off of practice, I know we hear a lot about, you know, Coach AJ being the head coach and everything, but Coach Jewett's also been there a really long time. You know, what what does he bring to the table that's, you know, maybe a little different than AJ or, you know, why uh, does everyone seem to, you know, love him so much? I feel like AJ, he's just a really good communicator and obviously he's got a great basketball mind and obviously he can get his players to trust him very well because he's been so successful in years past. Yeah, and then, you know, what does Coach Jewett bring that's maybe a little different than, than Coach AJ? Um, I feel like they're very different personality-wise. Mike is always, like, joking around with us and whatnot. I mean, obviously, you have, like, the assistant head, like, the difference there. So he's a jokester and also pushes us really hard. So he's fun to have around. Oh, for sure. And uh, kind of sticking to, like, kind of the practice – Team here, um, you know, you guys have a lot of depth uh, compared to the men's team right now. You know, the men's team, the GAs are kind of helping in on practice sometimes. Is there uh, players in practice that give you guys, you know, some more difficulty on the practice squad that, you know, maybe aren't getting some playing time right now just because of uh, how, how well the starters are playing? Is there anybody in practice that's giving you guys uh, some di difficulties uh, throughout the week? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, our whole team, obviously, we're all here for a reason. We're all on this team for a reason. So um, everyone competes so hard. And that's something that we do talk about every day. Like, it's not just the starters or, you know, the first ones off the bench that contribute. It's everybody um, competing every single day, making each other better. So I don't think there's one person in my head that I think like sticks out and makes us better at practice. It's just a collective effort to work hard and get better every day. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, you know, obviously when we see you guys on the court, you guys are a pretty close knit group, but also very serious when you're in game. Um, when you're in practice, if there's someone that needs to, you know, make the joke, keep it light, get the energy up, who is that on your team? And if it's either one of you two, you don't have to be humble. I think it, I mean, it's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I would say both of us. Yeah, I, I would say either of us. Yeah. Oh, perfect. And then uh, Tyler, or excuse me, Lindsay, obviously you've hit a couple <laughs> pressure uh, filled shots a year ago. Yesterday was the, you know, when the half court video uh, kind of went viral with you guys at UND. Um, and you also had a game winner against Gonzaga this year. Which one did you feel the most pressure? Um, honestly, I had more time to think about the half court shot when I, in the Gonzaga game, I was just like, oh, I got to shoot this. So, <laughs> uh, but no, the, the game winner was definitely a little bit more pressure and felt a lot better too. So, <laughs> and is the, the person that then missed the next one, 
in that half court string? Is that in in house secret or who is that? She probably doesn't want us to yeah. tell. <laughs> All right, Our sounds good. Comments like, I bet the next will miss. <laughs> We're like, duh, that's why it's cut off. <laughs> No, perfect. That's, you know, that's what we got uh, for question today. Again, thanks for joining us this week and uh, uh, good luck with, uh, you know, UMKC this weekend and the Summit League tournament once it gets to Sioux Falls. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And that was Tylee Irwin and Lindsay Thunick. Thanks again to them for joining us uh, this week on the podcast. I had a fun conversation with them there. Um, and, you know, right before the conversation, we were getting into that UMKC matchup a little bit. Cody, um, what, you know, what are some keys to this weekend already? You know, we talked about the defense, uh, might not be without a couple of players. Any other thoughts you have kind of going into this weekend? What's kind of important for uh, the Jackrabbits? Yeah, I think a uh, couple key things. Like you said, I think the defense, uh, you know, coming back home, uh, it's, uh, just, I think you should really kind of focus on that and be, you know, we're going to shut down UMKC defensively and then, you know, offensively, we're just going to do our thing. Uh, so I think that's the first key is just really good team defense, especially because you might have some players in a few positions they aren't, um, you know, quite as used to seemed like on the fly when they had to adjust this past weekend, they did a good job with that, but just, you know, making sure the communication and anything you have in that, that realm is, is ironed out in practice. And then I think, uh, number two is, you know, keep, uh, you know, the the role players that have now stepped up into potentially bigger roles. We saw Callie Tyson get a start, and I think she played pretty well. She played hard and, you know, as a post down low. Um, and then we saw Madison Vlostin continue to come in and, and hit some big shots. And Nesheim got some minutes that she hadn't gotten in a while. So um, I think just continue to keep those players confident and, and do all the things that you need to, to, to do, you know, to keep them confident. But um, that's kind of the two keys I have for this weekend. No. Yeah. And I, I kind of echo kind of what you're saying there. I think defense is going to be the, you know, the big thing. And I think as long as SCSU plays their game, uh, they should be able to win these two games um, without, you know, too much difficulty. Obviously, you know, anything can happen. Um, UMKC is the fourth place team right now uh, at seven and six in conference play. Um, but, you know, looking back at a couple Similar matchups when they played USD game one, they gave up 92 points, only scored 34. Uh, so very vulnerable on, you know, defense. You can, you can shut them down um, if you play hard defense. And then uh, most recently, you know, we played NDSU uh, and they went one and one against NDSU uh, 53 to 45 and then 68 to 65. Um, you know, UMKC isn't a huge offensive juggernaut team. You're not going to be too worried about them having, you know, like three players getting in the 15 to 20 range. So, you know, as long as you play solid defense, they should be able to get out of this, you know, weekend with a 2-0, uh, um, uh, you know, end of the season. Uh, maybe if they win the game one, maybe game two, you see a lot of players get some more playing time that, you know, hasn't played as much this year. So it will be interesting to see how they go about it if uh, if they do have the one seed locked up. But, again, they are playing for seeding as well in the tournament. Right now they're set up even if they don't win the – Summit League tournament, they are set up to, uh, you know, go to the, the dance and um, be seeded pretty well. I think I saw lately they were about a six seed. Um, obviously, you know, home court doesn't make, make as much, much of a difference this year. Um, where a five seed usually gets to host a couple games. Well, I think year. I think it wouldn't be – the I think you'd have to get to a four seed because I think it's the one, two, three, and four that would okay. be the host. So, oh, okay. 
gotcha that makes more sense then but you know you want to stay out of that eight range because if you're eight eight or nine you have to play the one seed if you win your first game so you know seven anywhere above seven uh is kind of where you want to be so um it'll be interesting how they the game plan game two if they do win game one if they do go hey let's uh you know, we'll give our starters some time, but let's also give them a break and get ready for the conference tournament because it is only a week. Um, it will also be interesting to see how teams um, bubble for the tournament because obviously you don't want a COVID scare. Obviously, we're, we'll talk about that a little bit on the men's side here on uh, a little bit, but um, you obviously want to avoid any COVID issues. So it'll be interesting how with that week off, if teams change up, how they do things, if they try to get all the players in a hotel in Brookings so they can kind of monitor them a little bit more if they try to do something like that but um but no yeah you know with that being said do you have anything else uh from this umkc matchup or are you know you ready to kind of dive into the men's weekend no just a couple wrap-up points um you know hopefully tylee just keeps going on this tear that she's on you know that'd be awesome to continue to see her just you know putting up these these huge points and they might need it you know if, if other people are struggling uh, and then lastly, it'll be a good, you know, last chance for, for Jackrabbit fans to kind of see them for the people that are able to make it to the game, um, you know, because with the Summer League tournament and NCAA tournament, uh, you know, most people aren't going to be able to, to see them. So hopefully Frost is kind of rocking as much as it can be um, this weekend against UMKC. Well, yep, for sure. And, um, you know, that being said, we're going to dive into the men's, uh, you know, the men's series against NDSU from this past weekend. Uh, obviously, as everyone knows, they went one and one against uh, the Bison up there. Uh, winning game one, 68 to 67. Baylor Shireman led the team in scoring with 16 points. Um, Arians led the team with nine rebounds. Uh, obviously, ended, Baylor did get the double double like normal. Uh, in that game, in the game two, a little bit higher scoring. Uh, Jack Roberts fell 84 to 82. Doug Wilson uh, kind of took over late in that game with 29 total points. Um, you know, this was. Cody, we obviously recorded last Sunday before the news kind of broke about Noah Friedel sitting out the rest of the issue for depre uh, with depression issues. Obviously, you know, we want him to get all the help he needs. Uh, there's more uh, there's more life than basketball. Um, but, you know, this was the first weekend without, you know, Noah for a full series. Uh, what were kind of your you know takeaways from uh, this, this weekend's action there? Yeah, I'd like, like to echo what you said. You know, you hope uh, Noah uh, just gets all the help he needs and is able to return uh, at some point to, to basketball, but that's not necessarily the important thing at the moment. Um, but yeah, moving on to this team um, or this weekend. And uh, I think you saw Charlie easily continue to even be more comfortable, um, you know, in the starting lineup and, and really shooting the ball and, um, you know, playing defense, getting tips and steals, you know, he was really crucial. I think um, sliding into that starting role of kind of, you know, filling in. And then I think, you know, you had some really good shooting uh, from some of your bench players on, on night one and overall the whole weekend, I think just the um, stick to itiveness, you know, from the team, uh, even when they were down late, not like they were down a lot in game one, they found a way to come back night two, they get down, you know, big. I didn't think they were playing terrible in night two uh, to start the game. Uh, it was just kind of NDSU's that night. They felt like they couldn't miss, and they didn't. Um, but down 22 points, it's easy to roll over. And, you know, Hendo made a few switches and uh, in the game plan, and, you know, they never let up. And I think 30 more seconds in that game, and they probably would have got the job done. So no I, I think you love to see that going into 
um, the last weekend of the season and especially into the summer league tournament that, you know, this team's got a lot of fight and, uh, you know, they might only have kind of eight guys that can go right now, but they're going to give it their all. No, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think the theme from the weekend uh, for the Jackrabbits was defense. Um, obviously, night one, pretty low scoring, 68-67. Last possession, you know, Doug Wilson bodies up Rocky Cruiser. Rocky has to dish out a, you know, a pass late. NDSU doesn't get a shot up. And then, like you said, uh, down about 22 in the second half, they put on a full court press. And NDSU just looked like they'd never faced a press in their life. It was, I mean, there was times where they broke break it easy. And then the next five times on the court, they acted like they've never been defended before the midcourt line. It was it was weird to see. Uh, you know, Matt Dentlinger got put in a couple of weird positions where he could have ended up on a poster, but he went up and played, you know, hard defense at the rim. And um, I, I honestly think those were two big moments uh, for him, obviously, not just for him, but for the team. You know, if NDSU goes in and just throws down two huge dunks, uh, that place goes nuts. Uh, you know, momentum swings right back to the, in their favor. You know, two free throws limits that a lot, kind of that noise and that excitement. Uh, but he goes up, he, you know, makes contact, almost blocks Rockies uh, on Rockies, big one, almost gets a block there. He does have a big, you know, off the backboard block uh, late in the game as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I was just shocked. I think I even texted you. I don't get how they, how that, that press did what it did to NDSU for some reason. They just had no idea how to break it. And, uh, um, and then I guess the one thing I didn't like on the defense was uh, the zone. Um, I, I didn't understand the point of going back to that, but it ended up working, you know, and just used went cold kind of like everyone anticipated they would towards the end of the game. They couldn't keep up their hot shooting. Um, but yeah, it seemed like, uh, free throws were also a big part from this weekend. Uh, night one, they couldn't put a game away, and night two, they stuck in it with the free throws. So, you know, a lot of a lot of things to kind of to touch on with the uh, this men's series, but um, obviously a great weekend of basketball for uh, to watch on the men's side. Yeah, it was you know like you said, very exciting both games. It seems like all the times that these two teams match up now, it's going to come down to the wire, no matter what the score is at halftime. Um, but yeah, the press going back to that, it was like NDSU could not figure out that the inbound should not go to the corner where they can get trapped right away. <laughs> and then when they finally broke the press, they did not, other than the two dunk attempts, they did not try and attack the basket when they had numbers at all. It was like they were content with getting it across half court and that was victory enough for them. So they were just going to, you know, get it across, pull it back out and use up 25 seconds of shot clock. Um, but, yeah, wild that they couldn't figure it out. I think maybe you saw that uh, Doug Wilson, his length, you know, has a, a bigger effect than you maybe even realize when he's, you know, trapping someone. And I think the reason they went to the zone there a little bit is when you are full court pressing like that, it's a lot easier to fall back into a zone and not have to try and keep track of a man because, you know, who's guarding who often gets mixed up when you're going into a trap or trying to get a steal. So I think it's just a lot easier to kind of, you know, fall back into that zone where anyone can be in any one position um, in that zone. And so I think that was part of that. And then also just, you know, NDSU, something different, get them out of rhythm because uh, it didn't seem like they could attack the zone quite as easily. And I think a lot of other Summit League teams saw a, a good film study on how to potentially uh, go at NDSU because they got to figure that out if they're going to try and win any games in the tournament. No, yeah, I guess the one thing I kind of had against the zone was there was a few offensive rebounds that went NDSU's way because it is a little bit harder to 
know, rebound on his own because you have to find you have to find a man to box out, and um, it does cause some issues there. But you know, like like you said, um, they got back in it. They didn't roll over down twenty two, which obviously is a big thing. Um, very easy for a team to roll over at that point in time. But um, free throws were a lot better in the second half of that game. I think you know at one point I heard they were like thirteen or fourteen. Uh, something like that. So you know, that was huge. They ended up about 68% from the line, but they had an abysmal first half. So that, that number is probably a little bit misleading there. Just knows as a first half at the free throw line was. Um, and then we kind of saw last year's Doug, um, you know, there's, it's been a hit or miss uh, with him this year at times. Um, but, you know, we saw him, the lid finally came off the rim. I don't know how many times this weekend we saw a ball halfway down the, halfway down the net and then spin back out had to be super frustrating for him, especially is, you know, his easy little hook shots where he almost just throws the ball in. Um, they weren't falling in that first game, especially in first half of the second game, the ball could have touched the bottom of the net. And it wasn't going to stay down. Uh, but second half, you know, we took over, uh, got up to 29 points, but defensively was huge. I think he tipped a few inbound passes. Um, he was part of that trap in the corner. Um, but yeah, his length and athleticism really, helped him out and kept, he stayed on the court. He was obviously conditioned well with their, you know, weird travel schedule this week. Um, we kind of touched on that with Alex a little bit. Um, yeah, they, you know, they didn't get back to Brookings until Tuesday, if I remember right. Um, and then they had Wednesday, Thursday to prepare, and then Fargo Friday. So, uh, and I don't know their travel schedule if they left Thursday night or Friday morning. Yeah, it's, you know, going to the weekend, going one and one when you really only had two days to prepare and, then travel again three hours north and you know you kind of look at that that is maybe a win uh there that's kind of a good weekend for them yeah i mean it gives them a shot coming down to to be the number one seed in the summit league tournament still but you have to say ndsu also had a bye the previous week so they had you know two full weeks to prepare whereas you know sdsu maybe only has a couple days so that does maybe play a role um but yeah i I think going back to doug uh, it was awesome to see him, you know, you almost felt like there was a fire that was lit under him a little bit when they were down and he was kind of like, I'm not going to let this happen and we're going to get back in this game and I'm going to put some balls in the basket because they're not going in and I'm going to find a way to do it. And uh, it was good to see that out of him. You know, he obviously converted pretty well to free throw line, uh, which he had been struggling a little bit. Um, and, and you got some big minutes from Matt Mims. He played 29 minutes in night two. Uh, I think those are some some huge minutes where he was playing good defense. Um, and so, you know, you know, hopefully Doug can keep this rolling just because uh, they're going to need him, you know, without Noah scoring, you know, he might have to pick it up a little bit on the offensive end. So uh, it was good to see that. I also think how NDSU was guarding um, the post was a little different than teams had previously. They were kind of going to almost like a full frontal with the, the backside help kind of creep in there. And, and I thought, you know, SDSU needed to have a little more action on the backside flashing in to try and get those, those post touches, just because especially night one, it looked like it was just hard getting the ball into the post. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully they can have that moving forward. Yeah. I, I do think obviously NDSU matches up really well against SDSU. Um, they have the long guards as well. SDSU, you know, that's one thing they have. Over a lot of these teams, is they might not have the fastest guards, but they have the little length um, at those positions. All their guards are that six two, six three, that kind of range. They can kind of guard multiple positions. It's kind of usually a, a strength, but that was kind of you know 
evened out this weekend. Um, and, you know, it's only Doug's second and third time facing NDSU. Uh, since he's been to SDSU, they've played now five times. Um, but obviously last year at the end of the tournament, or going into the tournament, he was out with the injury. Um, and then the Dakota Showcase was out with the injury. Um, so, you know, we've, we've said, you know, there's maybe the myth that it's hard to beat a team three times uh, or four times in a season, you know. Uh, we don't have to worry about that here, I guess. Um, you know, uh, the only team that that's worth looking into now is UND. They're the only team that that could potentially happen. Um, but yeah, um, I think NDSU just matches up really well with SDSU here. Um, there's a reason both of these teams have been the only ones to uh, represent the Summit League in the tournament since 2011 when Oakland won, I believe it was. Um, I think it was Oakland that won it last when it wasn't a North Dakota or South Dakota school. So you know, there's a reason for it. Uh, both teams, you know, obviously great programs. Um, but I guess with that being said, do you have do you have any other follow-ups with this uh, from this last this NDSU matchup, or ready to dive into the Alex Arians conversation? No, I think it was just a, a fun weekend of basketball. It's always going to be great when these two teams get together, and uh, you know, it's almost as big of a rivalry with as with USD at this point. So, um, but yeah, I guess before we go into that. I wanted to ask you this. And I forgot last week. Why is this? Why is this rivalry not bigger than the USD one? Um, because with football, you know, it is kind of more of a rivalry. Like you know, people really pay attention to that one. Obviously, game day and stuff of that nature. But USD has never, you know, won the tournament. They have never, you know, um, they've they've been more competitive maybe than they have been in football recently. But why is this rivalry not been the the bigger of the two. It just doesn't seem for whatever reason, like it, it garners as much attention as like the USD one does. I think the, the reason for that is maybe a little bit more with the fans and students. There's a little less, you know, we all know a bunch of people that went to USD. Mm -hmm. I only know very few people that went to NDSU. So, and so I think from like the, the fan and student perspective, it ends up, you know, you don't have that kind of in the week leading up to the game where you're kind of doing some trash talking and, and things of that nature, you know, you don't have that kind of back and forth with the NDSU fans maybe near as much. Um, and then I also think on the basketball side, you see both the men and women kind of competitive with each other on the, uh, or for basketball um, against USD. Whereas, you know, NDSU up until this year hasn't really been competitive at all on the, the women's side. So uh, it just, you know, come basketball season, there's maybe not as much there, but I think it's just as big of a rivalry. Um, yeah. And so it's interesting for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. And I think I saw something that's like the last four games have come down to it's gone two one or it's gone one point differential, two point, one point, then two points. So, you know, the games are wild. Uh, I believe they said they, it was like 500 in those matchups. So each team has won two times. So, you know, the games go back and forth. They're always exciting to watch. Um, you know, with that being said, uh, we said it earlier, out, we, uh, we're joined this week uh, by men's guard Alex Arians, and here's this co that conversation. Today we welcome on current Jackrabbit men's basketball player Alex Arians. Alex, how's it going today? Good. How are you guys? Yeah, pretty good. Um we're recording this on Sunday, so just coming off the, the NDSU series, a couple, you know, really close games. Uh, it almost felt like tournament atmosphere a little bit. But if we go back to Friday night, game one, uh, 
you know, Charlie hits a huge bucket at the end. Can you walk us through kind of like that last play or sequence of events where, you know, Charlie hits a huge bucket and you guys get the win? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, uh, I think we were down or we down, we were down two at that point. Um, just to start it off, um, you know, the atmosphere was crazier than it's been in a while. Uh, obviously with COVID and all the restrictions, uh, we haven't been able to play in front of a lot of fans. And so, you know, NDSU allows what almost 3000 people in there. So first time in a long time where the atmosphere is actually rocking like that, but yeah, Chuck, uh, Chuck, I think he hit it over Grant Nelson and, a really contested shot. I don't know. I honestly don't even know how, how we got it off, but yeah, luckily it went in, they came down, called a timeout and then got a stop. And uh, thankfully they didn't even get a shot off. Yeah. It was a, uh, you know, great shot. Some awesome, awesome defense. Then heading into night two, you know, start of the game, NDSU can't miss. You guys decide to put a press on. Um, and that really, you know, brought you back into the game. Uh, and even when you were down, it never felt like you were out of it. Was that press something you guys have, you know, worked on it all? Were you surprised at how well it worked or, or like, you know, what allowed you to get back in the game there? No, I think, uh, yeah, obviously our offense was poor in the first half. I think they were shooting like 70%, but no, uh, the press is something that we work on in practice uh, a decent amount. Um, and then obviously like that, we switched to a zone, uh, kind of tried to disrupt their offense a little bit, but yeah, the press was definitely uh, critical for us to get back in the game. Yeah, I think I was talking with Jacob. It was probably the, the first time we've seen an SDSU team press in like five years, I think. So, yeah, excited yeah. to see, you know, um, but Jacob, I'll hand it over to you. No, oh, yeah. Um, you guys were, you, before you know, you were talking about, you guys got back pretty late last night. Uh, but that was all pretty, you know, easy compared to last week. What was, what was your guys' travel like uh, last week? Obviously, you didn't get back till, what was it, Tuesday uh, from, you know, Tulsa and, did that kind of affect you guys going into this week against NDSU? Um, how did that, how did that, you know, lack of travel and time off um, kind of set your guys' week up? Yeah, it was definitely a bummer uh, with all the weather that was happening down there. Um, we kind of got the hint that we weren't going to go back, you know, at coming into it. We know obviously there was going to be a storm, but uh, I, I, I'd say it didn't have really affect uh, maybe a little fatigue, but uh, certainly not the guy or, you know, we're not the team to make excuses, you know, we'll take the hand that we're dealt and, you know, kind of deal with it. And certainly in a year like this with everything changing day to day, um, certainly just something we're going to have to do when the weather just happened to play a factor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of just crazy things happening this year. Um, you know, at this point, you guys are kind of down to 10 people on the roster. Uh, has that yeah. been, um, you know, when you're trying to do scout team and running practice, has that been kind of tough with only having, you know, five guys on each side? Or is, you know, Coach Ton using and Coach Peter <laughs> had to step in? Or what's that situation like? Yeah, it's definitely different from the past. Uh, I think my freshman year when you were around, we had – I think we had 15 guys or something. So we were, we were getting a lot of subs in. But, yeah, you're kind of – we kind of get used to it now. Um, yeah, uh, Billy Brown played at North Dakota last year, and he's actually a GA too. So him and Reed have been – kind of stepping in whenever guys need to come over and give us subs. So, yeah, they've been a big part in uh, helping us do scout team too. And even even Tramel and Coach Peterson, yeah, have hopped in there a few times to help us. Yeah, it's a pretty tough coaching squad, I imagine, that the, they all got together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of switching topics more to just you personally. Obviously, you know you're coming from the Madison area. What brought you to SDSU and uh, what's kind of kept you around? 
Uh, I think one of the biggest things for me was the winning culture. Uh, obviously, when I was in high school, SCSU had been to the NCAA tournament like five of the past seven or eight years. So um, that was really appealing to me. Um, I knew I wanted to be a part of a winning team um, and winning guys. Uh, I knew coming in, uh, the upperclassmen were like Michael Orris, AJ Hess, and then Mike, Sky, and TK, and uh, Reed. Uh, so I think just like, and then coming on my visit and actually meeting them and like, playing with them, um, just seeing what kind of people they were off the court too. Um, it was really appealing to me and something I wanted to be a part of. Oh, perfect. And then, you know, since you've shown up, your uh, roles kind of changed throughout the team, um, from like the position you're playing to like who you're defending. How has that kind of changed in your eyes uh, throughout your time, your playing time? Have, have you noticed the big difference or what's kind of been your view of, you know, your role with the team? Yeah, it's uh, actually – really different my my fre uh, redshirt freshman year uh, obviously playing the four um guarding bigger guys making sure i need to box out um to tr playing the two to three you know a couple years ago and now playing the one um you know obviously tendencies on the court guarding different sized guys is different you know closeouts first steps on defense um you know something that i have to and have continued to work on and uh, think it's something I still need to get better at but yeah certainly had to have made a lot of adjustments uh, switching to the point guard or yeah and so kind of going off that you're you're one of the longest you know tenured guys on the team even though you're not technically a senior uh, you've been around a lot uh, you know what's it like been kind of being the, the oldest guy around the captain of the team leader whatever you want to say but um, you know what's that been like uh, kind of taking on that role and having younger guys kind of look up to you or, or see you as that captain? Yeah, obviously in the past, uh, I haven't needed to do that. Uh, you know, playing with Mike and TK, uh, very vocal guys and guys that you know are going to lead a team positively. Uh, so, yeah, it's been different, but uh, give a lot of credit to my teammates for, you know, putting me in a position uh, and trusting me and having faith in me to, you know, lead a group of guys. And I think a, a group of guys were willing to follow. Is there a favorite game or memory uh, from your time at SCSU so far that, you know, you kind of sit back and look and uh, kind of reminisce about? Is there any of those special kind of moments so far? Obviously, you have a couple more years, but um, anything that comes yeah. to I think it's kind of weird. It actually wasn't one that I played in, but just like the NCAA tournament run uh, that we made when I was with a red shirt, just kind of being a part of that whole process and selection Sunday, and then getting to travel and just being a part of all the hype around the NCAA tournament. Obviously, being a freshman was something I never experienced before. And as we all know, I have something I haven't experienced since. But uh, definitely hoping to be a part of something like that in the near future because, you know, obviously being a college basketball player, we all dream about that, you know, moment as a kid. So, yeah, probably I'd have to say that and say a tournament my, uh, my redshirt year. Yeah. And uh, when we had Baylor on a couple of weeks back, we, we talked about how, you know, it's kind of weird having four different lefties on the team uh, with you and David and uh, Luke and uh, Baylor, but who's got the best right hand out of all those lefties? <laughs> right hand? Uh, uh, I have to say me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Confidence. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of another fun one here too. Uh, I remember, you know, I was around when you were a uh, red shirt and, and, you know, obviously red shirts can kind of be on the, the brunt end of some jokes uh, from the older guys, but now that you're an upperclassman, who on this team's kind of 
who's the easy target when it comes to making fun of people and stuff and practice and all that? Uh, we make fun of, we make fun of Luke, Luke Apple a lot in practice. Any specific or does that just stay in practice? Huh? Any specifics on, on what you're teasing him about or just that stays within the team? No, uh, we make fun of him about his fouling a lot. I think, was it Friday night? He had five fouls in 11 minutes or something. And I know he's had problems with that in past games, but we usually make fun of him about his fouling. Okay. Um, I've noticed, obviously, you, with your time there, you you kind of trademarked almost the fadeaway kind of shot at the free throw line, a kind of mid-range yep. game where you kind of dribble in and then take that out. Is, has Baylor stolen that from you a little bit this year? Because I've seen him trying to – He's been doing it a couple times. Has that been something you guys work on in practice? Is it one of those things, one of those things he just stole from you? What's uh thoughts there? Yeah, um, we being being bigger guards, uh, not being quicker than a lot of guards in this league. We know that you know we might not be able to just blow by guys in the first step and you know get right to the rim or have dump offs at passes like that. So uh, our coaches talk about a lot of playing off two feet on really being under control when you get in the lane. So that's really yeah, a move that I've kind of had to work towards these past couple of years and really adding that to my game as well as Baylor. And, and it works well for us too. Well, yeah, for sure. For sure does. Yeah. And uh, kind of going into the final question here, um, you know, this upcoming series, you got UMKC um, and it's, you know, technically maybe a senior night of kinds. Is it, is it weird, you know, with the rules this year and everyone being able to come back if they want to? Is it, is it kind of weird that, you know, this whole team could potentially be, be together next year as well? Um, and just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Um, I think it's really good for this team just to take that next step in growing, uh, like chemistry-wise too, just being able – obviously, you don't just get good playing with guys right away. It takes time and chemistry and understanding people's tendencies and what they do on the court. So – I think, yeah, this extra year is definitely a little different, but I think, it, you know, not again, not only for us, could be beneficial for a lot of teams who are looking to take that next step, uh, but especially us, yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on, Alex. Uh, it was fun talking to you again. Uh, we got, you know, one more regular season series, so we wish you all the best against UMKC, but, you know, stay happy, stay healthy, and uh, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. You guys, too. Appreciate it. And that was Alex Arians, uh, men's guard uh, for the SCSU Jackrabbits. Uh, you know, Cody, going into this weekend, um, again, we'd like to probably thank uh, Alex again for coming on, uh, giving us some time this week, obviously with a busy schedule. But, you know, going into this weekend, they're uh, looking at facing UMKC Friday and Saturday night. Um, you know, UMKC, uh, they're not the biggest offensive threat you're going to face, but they're going to punch you in the mouth for, you know, 40 minutes on defense. Uh what are you looking forward to this weekend uh, with this matchup? Yeah, I'm looking forward to how the Jacks are going to attack uh, UMKC uh, on the offensive side of the ball because uh, it seems like UMKC, UMKC's strength is in their guard, their their uh, perimeter defense. It seems like that's where they've been limiting people. And so, you know, hopefully Doug and Matt can really get going and go at their bigs um, because they are a really good defensive team. You know, they slow the pace down. Uh, there's a lot of their games are in the 50s. Um, and so uh, I just like to see how, yeah, how the um, SDSU team is going to attack them. You know, I think the game plan is to 
find ways to get the ball into the post, play through the post, kind of like they've been doing all year. But, um, you know, it might not be as easy for Baylor and Alex and some of the other guards to, to get into the lane. And so they're going to really have to play off of Doug and Matt, I think. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's going to be one of those matchups where it's, like I said, it's going to be a lot of uh, back and forth because um, they're so strong defensively. And, you know, SDSU shows uh, showed this weekend that they can step up and play pretty good defense too when they need to. So um, it'll be interesting there. Obviously, you know, Brandon McKissick, um, kind of their star guard. Um, those guys are going to be trying to fight for that, uh, to get on that first team all summit. Um, I don't know if he's back from injury. I know they had a few injuries their last, uh, last I kind of heard. So we'll see there, you know, whether how their team health wise is, but, um, you know, they're, they're seven and five on the year, uh, just over 500. Uh, you know, obviously you don't want, you want SDSU to kind of maybe knock them down to 500, uh, going into the weekend and, you know, SDSU needs a couple big wins, but, um, kind of like you said, I want to see if, you know, Doug and. Matt can get going down low. Um, they have some longer guards. So, you know, they'll make it difficult on Baylor and uh, Alex and then Eastley out there. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fun to watch uh, how the two teams go back and forth. I think I saw against uh, or this weekend that SCSU has the, like, number three uh, three-point defense in the country, uh, only behind a couple, you know, other teams, but obviously not the number one in the summit. So I think that's, you know, a big part for them is limit the outside shooting or Roberts only has a couple wins this year where they've scored more than 70 points. Usually when the games get that high, they're or they, UMKC, UMKC, excuse me. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they usually struggle once they get up to those higher numbers. So, um, you know, you want SCSU's offense to come out and play strong, but even when uh, maybe UMKC gets their way on defense, it'll be interesting to watch how SCSU responds and if they can uh, slow UMKC's offense down. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, uh, I think McKissick is potentially back. I know Nesbitt, one of their other guards, um, he just came back from injury. And so there are, you know, been missing a couple guys and are on a five-game win streak still. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be fighting for seeding in the Summer League tournament as well. Uh, they could, you know, go anywhere between, I think, fourth and potentially seventh. Um, so, you know, they got a lot on the line. And, and it's going to be interesting to have them, you know, back in the Summit League because we haven't seen them for a while. And, uh, you know, I think it's good for the, the league to have them back. And they've been showing that they can compete in this league. And uh, it'll be a, a different style matchup for, for SDSU that we haven't seen in a while, um, especially, you know, with a lot of these teams where their, their best player is a, a post player or, a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a kind of a, a wing that plays more um, in the paint than, than on the perimeter. So be interesting to just yeah see how how they match up and and kind of the different style that UMKC brings oh yeah and you know like you mentioned they're on a five game win streak um goes back to winning the second game against NDSU um before NDSU had their bye uh but then it went Omaha and Denver so obviously you know NDSU big win but then four wins against you know maybe subpar competition um I believe in only a couple in only one of those games they scored above 16 I think they scored it was 80 in game two of the Denver series this weekend. So they got 80 in that game. So maybe their offense woke up a little bit there. Um, yeah, you know, a lot to look forward to. Obviously a big weekend for SDSU. Um, we'll kind of get into that when we do the Around the Summit for the men's side here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, do you have any, you know, major takeaways? Um, obviously, you know, free throws are going to be big again this weekend. I think UMKC gets in foul trouble um, in a lot of their games just because they do play, you know, some pretty hard defense. So free throws are going to be a big thing for STSU this weekend. Hopefully 
whatever whatever clicked in the second half of you know the NDSU game helps moving forward. Yeah, maybe it was just the pressure, the the need to make them, um, you know, that that maybe uh, urged them on. But um, you know, hopefully uh, we see it continue to to get better, and uh, I'm excited for it. No, yep, I am as well. Um, so you know, you know, with that being said, uh, we'll get into a little bit of around the summit here. Obviously, a lot of stuff going on on the men's side, but we'll start here with the women's. We'll keep the theme going of ladies first today. Um, you know, this weekend, uh, Denver and UMKC. We talked about that matchup on the men's side a little bit uh, just a little bit ago, but on the women's side, the series was split one in one. Uh, Denver uh, won 63 to 55 game one. Uh, and then UMKC took game two, 60 or 85 to 69. Um, so obviously, you know, those two teams splitting there. Um, I believe the UND women were eliminated from contention um, this weekend. Um, so they are eliminated from the Summit League tournament, so they won't be in Sioux Falls. Uh, they played against Omaha, uh, where Omaha beat them 73 to 61 in game one and then 75 to 72 in game two. So, uh, you know, getting swept there. They're like 2 and 18 on the season. Um, and then the other series was the USD and Oral Roberts women's series. They actually played both games in their series. Um, SD, the USD women won 77 to 54 and 76 to 54. Um, so, you know, no major surprises this weekend. Um, like I said, the UND women were eliminated from Summit League uh, tournament contention um, because they don't play this weekend, so they can't get to that third one against Omaha. So that was obviously a really big series for them. Um, we talked about it earlier on. SDSU has clinched at least a share of the Summit League title, um, but you know, seeding-wise, they've already clinched the one spot because of um, the head-to-head matchup. But then we get, you know, this coming weekend, USD versus NDSU, that will be a big series for that two seed. So um, it'll be interesting to watch, you know, this weekend. Do you have any other, you know, takeaways from the women's side of the Summit League action this weekend? Uh, no, not too much. It's kind of more of what we expected. You know, SDSU gets two big wins. USD continues with two wins. Uh, um, so kind of more of the same of, of what we've been saying all year. I do think going into next week, you know, uh, the one seed is pretty locked up. I think the two seed is also pretty locked up. I don't think NDSU can catch USD anymore. I want to say they needed to knock off SDSU at least one time. I think they're only a game behind. Well, USD is 10-2. North Dakota State's 9-5. Oh. So okay. I think NDSU kind of has the third seed locked up where USD has the two seed. And then, you know, four, four and five, Kansas City and Western could potentially flip around. Um, but then six, seven, and eight are all, they can't really get a higher than those. They'll just be battling for your six, seven, and eight. So kind of some, some seating battles in the lower tiers, but I think the up, the upper part of the summit league standings are, are fairly set. Um, right. so, uh, it'll be interesting, you know, to see what the, the bracket looks like, but, but other than that, I think it was kind of what we've come to expect, uh, at this point in the season. No, yep, for sure. And, you know, we'll dive into the men's side because obviously there's a lot of really big storylines coming into the final weekend here. Um, but we'll stick with the Denver and UMKC series. Uh, kind of like we mentioned earlier, UMKC uh, went 2 all this last weekend against Denver. 68-57 to was game one, and then 80-69 to was game two. And then Omaha and North Dakota played as well. Game one was taken by Omaha at 72-62, to and then North Dakota won 81-69. I believe it was the first time 
UND has beaten Omaha in 14 matchups, uh, something like that. It was, a, you know, a weird streak going on there. And um, I saw that on Twitter and it was like, they might never beat them because I think Omaha was playing with six uh, scholarship players this weekend. Had a lot of foul issue or injury issues and Matt Pyle played through a, you know, an injured ankle. So, um, you know, tough, you know, gritty one in one weekend for Omaha there. Um, and then, you know, going into the final matchup, only got one game out of it. 86 to 84, USD got the win over Oral Roberts on Saturday, um, setting up for a very interesting weekend. Um, I guess before we get into the standings here, Cody, and I'll let you kind of run with that because you're kind of the, you, you've been the one sending me all those different scenarios. But do you know, do you have any other uh, major takeaways from this uh, weekend's action around the Summit League? No, other, you know, Omaha gets their first win, has a chance now to, to get to Sioux Falls. Uh, I think they maybe still mathematically could have, but it would have been a little tougher heading into the final weekend. Uh, so, you know, good for them to continue to fight, even though the season has definitely not gone the way they expected or kind mm -hmm. of a lot of us expected. Um, UND continues to just split. It seems like that's uh, um, kind of their MO. They uh, are eight and eight on the season. So um, that's where they'll finish with being, you know, on the bye next week. And then, uh, the USD Oral Roberts game that did get played, uh, it was kind of the Plitz of White versus Aismas, you know, guard heavy showdown. Um, and, you know, USD comes out on top with a two point victory. So mm -hmm. um, they've set, set, set themselves up to kind of control their own destiny. But, uh, you know, some good basketball around the summit this weekend, highlighted by the NDSU SDC matchup, I think. No, yep. And um, Omaha and Denver. Uh, we'll be playing this weekend. Uh, they're both one and 11. So um, kind of like we talked about last week, uh, whoever wins, you know, they're both one and 11 now. So whoever wins this series gets the tournament. So if they split it, I don't know, you know, how the tiebreaker is going to break out because, you know, neither of them played SDSU. So obviously that part of the tiebreaker goes away. Um, but USD and NDSU, I believe, swap both of them as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out with that tiebreaker if they do split this weekend. Um, but yeah, you know, um, I'll let you kind of dive into the standings here in a second. But I think, you know, we kind of got robbed today. I think, you know, AJ versus Ace Miss, you were probably looking at potential player of the year um, matchup there. You know, I think Ace Miss right now has the lead for it, um, in my opinion. I think he's consistently there every night where, you know, AJ has three or four really big games with the rest. He's just kind of there. Um, so I think Ace is still, you know, in the lead for that, but you really have a chance for AJ to take over that conversation and maybe, you know, win the player of the year. Um, but yeah, you know, with that being said, I'll let you kind of dive into the, you know, how things can shake out this weekend with SDSU playing, uh, UMKC. We kind of got into that a little bit, but then, you know, SD or USD and NDSU go head to head this weekend. Um, and then Oral Roberts, I don't remember who they face, but they're, it must be Western Illinois. They must finish off with Western. So, um, yeah, kind of go through what you were telling me earlier with different, you know, maybe scenarios. Yeah. So, uh, based on my kind of back of the napkin calculations that I've been running, um, I think, like I said, USD controls, and this is all assuming the every game gets played next weekend, you know, with some cancellations, we don't know, maybe there are some cancellations, but we're not going to dive into that until we hear for sure that those games are canceled. Uh, for yep. next weekend, but assuming all games get played, uh, USD kind of controls their own destiny. If they win uh, two games, sweep NDSU, 
they will be the number one seed and win the conference uh, outright. However, if uh, USD and NDSU split and uh, South Dakota State wins both of their matchups, then I believe um, USD would be the two seed, SDSU would be the one seed, and then NDSU would end up being the three seed if um, USD NDSU split and SDSU wins both of their matchups. And then, you know, the scenario where NDSU um, sweeps USD and SDSU gets both of their wins, um, I think NDSU would end up having the tiebreaker um, and you with SDSU. So SDSU would be the two seed mm-hmm. and NDSU and SDSU would kind of share the conference uh, title based on winning percentage. So when you look at those three teams, uh, USD controls their own destiny with two wins. SDSU controls their own destiny with two wins for getting a buy. They don't control their own destiny for the one seed, but they do, or not a buy, but a, um, a Saturday matchup versus a Sunday matchup having one of the two top two seeds and then NDSU, um, you know, controls their own destiny as well. If they get uh, two wins over USD. Um, So it's uh, interesting to see what will happen, but uh, I think those three teams all have a shot at the one seed. Um, You know, if, if SDSU does happen to lose uh, a couple, a couple games or one of the games, I don't think they'll have a shot at the one or the two seed. Um, but, uh, that's kind of the, the scenarios I've ran. I think Oral Roberts is fairly locked into that fourth spot. Um, I think they maybe could, could jump SDSU if SDSU loses both games and Oral Roberts wins both games. But, you know, that's a scenario that we're hoping does not come into play. No, yeah. You know, just looking at everything here, um, obviously you don't want to put the tinfoil hat on too much. Um, but like you were saying, you know, USD controls their own destiny, uh, gets out of an eight and five matchup, uh, whereas SDSU, you know, their two, their four games they lost, it kind of sucks for them, you know, combined two and 22. It's like, man, you know, you get, you get two wins in that series and it's a completely different story we're talking today. You know, SDSU really only needs probably one more win to lock up the one seed if they play one of those series. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of unfortunate how this, you know, the, se- the season went. Would be nice, obviously, if there was a way to, if there was a week built in where you could make up those games or something. But obviously, that's not how the cookie crumbles here. Uh, it's all, you know, winning percentage and things of that nature. Um, the biggest deal, obviously, for SDSU is you want that buy. We've seen them play a couple times this year uh, with that three games in a row. And they've kind of struggled game three. And now with lack of depth, maybe without a, you know, with the opt-outs and things of that nature, you know, you really want to see them get that by. Um, I guess, you know, looking, let's say looking ahead, let's say they are the one or the two seed matchup wise, are you, would you be more comfortable with them going up against uh, NDSU in the second round or at Oral Roberts? Who would be your, you know, favorable matchup? Um, that's tough. I, I think NDSU. I think I'd rather play them. Uh, you know them better even though you've already played them three times this year, I think um, you saw that there's some ways to attack them with, you know, with that press and kind of some pressure defense, you know, by that time, Richmond probably has something figured out there. Um, But I think I'd rather play NDSU. I think it's just a better um, matchup than, than with Oral Roberts. Uh, That's my, 
perspective, just just because NDSU doesn't quite have the player in ASMIS that can completely take over a game by themselves. They're more of a, a team unit that has, you know, guys that can have uh, better nights than, than others, but they don't have that one player that can, you know, go win you a game kind of on their own shoulders. So my thought, I was actually leaning the other way. I think if you get Oral Roberts with a night off, you get the night off, or Roberts is coming off playing a back-to-back game. Um, you know, if they're the four seed, they're probably, you know, only going up against a, an Omaha or a Denver. So, you know, not obviously a, um, or no, who they face. If they were a four seed, they'd be facing. UMKC or UNK probably. Yep. So, you know, you're, you're having them go off potentially against, you know, having to have a pretty good game against one of those two um, teams. And we've seen at times this year where they're weak coming into that second game where, you know, game one, they come out really strong and they don't play as well the second game. Um, and we haven't seen, you know, consistency that they can put up two strong games in a row. So I think, you know, for me, I'm looking at it like, you know, I'd rather not face a rival until the championship. I'd rather face a team that maybe you don't know so well, but, you know, you beat them kind of handily uh, in your first game, you know, with this new rotation. Um, so I guess that's my thought is, you know, NDSU, uh, you know, does kind of bring that thread of knowledge as well against you. Um, and you, especially these last two games, weren't really comfortable in either game. Rizzo Roberts, you know, second game, you felt a little bit more comfortable. Obviously, you have to hope Max and O'Banner don't just go off. But I do think there's more of a recipe against Earl Roberts, you know, how to attack, attack them down low and how to maybe slow Max on a little bit or slow everybody else down. Um, really with them you can let their two guys eat but as long as you control the other three or four guys on the court you kind of uh that's where we're kind of getting your advantage whereas you know ndsu is probably more of a solid one through 18 so yeah and, and the more i think about it too i guess i think the experience ndsu brings from a player perspective last year winning the summer league tournament and then also richmond being in that situation a lot yeah. maybe you do you know hope in the, in the pressure situation that is the tournament that Oral Roberts is probably the, the better matchup in the semifinals. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, wait, wait till that rivalry matchup with NDSU or USD in, in the championship. No, yep. And, you know, it's a shame that, uh, you know, obviously they moved to the Pentagon because now, you know, the NCAA tournament has said that they're going to start allowing, you know, some fans in to the tournament. It'd been nice, you know, if they maybe kept at the premier center, they could, kind of circle back to that, have limited capacity because like we talked about with Alex, this was the first time they played, you know, you know with fans. Um, and it was really the second game, really, you could tell there was an atmosphere there. So, um, you know, you wish there was a way they could work around and get some fans in there, but that decision obviously was made uh, earlier on in the season. Um, you know, with that being said, unless you have anything else here, we'll, you know, wrap up here uh, for episode, episode 12 of the Rabbit Rundown. No, nothing else other than, you know, it's going to be a wild end of the finish uh, on the men's side and uh, the women's side. And I'm sure we'll, we'll have an exciting tournament and, um, you know, stay tuned. We'll try and uh, break down any scenarios we have once we have an idea if all the games are going to be played on Twitter. Uh, we'll break that down for you. But um, otherwise, yeah, I don't have anything else. No, perfect. So, yeah, like with that being said, um, you know, that's it for episode 12 of the Rabbit Rundown. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next uh, Wednesday with a review of the UMKC series and a big uh, Summit League preview, um, getting ready for the tournament, obviously all the seating, seedings, everything will be set by then. Uh, again, we'd like to thank, thank Alex, Lindsay, and Tylee for joining us this week uh, for the, with our discussions. 
Uh, you know, that being said, follow us on Twitter at Rabbit Rundown, and we'll see you guys all next Wednesday.